It's nice to see you. Hope you're doing well. This is the part of our Sunday gathering where we get together, read something from the Bible, and then ask God just to speak to our hearts. So I hope you're ready. If you have a Bible, we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. We're going to read that, and then I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to speak to us today. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. I'm going to be reading today from the Message Bible. This is what it says. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him, make us fit for Him, we have it all together with God because of our Master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open His door to us. We find ourselves standing where we had always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for the sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice, but God put His love on the line for us by offering His Son in sacrificial death while we were no use whatsoever to Him. Now that we are set right with God by means of this sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there is no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of His Son, now that we are at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of His resurrection life. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we are no longer content to simply say it in plodding prose, we sing and shout our praises to God through Jesus the Messiah. Pray with me for a moment, please. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to come and sing your praise. Thank you for the opportunity to come and see friends. Thank you for the opportunity to come and bring our tithes and offerings. Thank you for the opportunity to come and be part of a church community like this. We give you praise. Now, in these next moments, we thank you that you are going to speak to our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today about the X-Factor atmosphere. I don't know whether you like the X-Factor, whether you've watched the X-Factor, whether you're a fan of the X-Factor, or you can't stand the X-Factor, but 
somewhere in between all of those, you've probably known that the X Factor carries a certain atmosphere. If you watch it, you may not like it at all. You watch it and you think, ah, it's really my thing. Some of you may have been into it once upon a time and you don't watch it anymore. But the one thing we cannot deny about the X Factor is that the X Factor carries an atmosphere. That every show people are cheering, that every show there is music, and every show people are shouting, in every show people are excited, in every show people are clapping, in every show people are cheering. And if I was Paul who was writing this bit to the church in Rome, I would call this particular talk the X-Factor Atmosphere. And he gives us three reasons why a follower of Jesus Christ needs to carry an atmosphere, not based on how they feel, but based on a different reality that they have to refer to all the time. And whether you are one of those people that say, well, that's not really for me, whether that's for you or not for you, whether that's you or not you, whether that's your preference or not, what you cannot deny is that we come here to talk about Jesus and sooner or later, the love of Jesus, what Jesus has done in you, through you, for you, will excite you to the point where you cannot help but shout God's praises because of his goodness in your life. And Paul is talking about this particular aspect to the church in Rome. And he starts, first of all, talking about our past. Look at this in just verse 1 and 2, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. If we can go back to verse 1 and read this. And he talks about our past. He says this, By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him, make us fit for Him, we have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. Hold that there, verse 1. Paul says, I look back and I think that this thing of God wanting to set me right with him was not a new idea. It was what God wanted all along. All along, God's idea for me and for you was that you and I would be in right standing with God. This was not a new idea that popped into God's mind when you said, Jesus, yeah, I'd like to have you in my life. God has been planning this for ages. He has been eternally in love with you and we have it all together, not because of us, but because of God. Look at verse 2. Romans chapter 5 verse 2. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God. And guess what? We discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open His door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. Out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory. Standing tall and shouting His praise. Paul says, number one, the first reason I have to always stand tall and shout his praise is because of my past. That when I look at my past, I realize that this thing called salvation, this thing called Christianity, this thing called the faith, this thing called following Jesus was not a new idea. God has had this idea in his mind all along. And when I look at my past and I say yes to Jesus and I throw open my doors to him, the moment I do that... I realized God had always thrown his, his doors open to me and I find myself standing in wide open spaces of grace. And when I find myself standing there, he says, I have to stand tall and shout his praise. So whether that's you or not, you've got to realize that your past is worth shouting about. 
That your past is worth shouting about. Why? Not because of what you've done, where you've been, who you've done it with, whether there's been disappointments or discouragements or failures, all of those things. We think, oh, you know what? I don't really want to look at my past because in the past this happened, that happened, this happened. What if we focus not on what happened to us in all the bad things we went through? What if we could just pause for a moment, look at our past and say, you know what? Every day of my past, even before my dad met my my mom I was on God's mind and he had thrown open his doors for me and he had completely embraced me and now I find myself standing in wide open spaces of God's glory and he says because of that I can't help but stand tall and shout God's praise I wonder when was the last time you took a moment just to praise God for your past. Because often we look at our past and say, oh, I can't just wait to move on from that. I can't just wait to focus on the future. Can I just say, whether it's been good, bad, or ugly, whether it's been happy tears or sad tears, the truth is this. God's arms were always open towards you. Not one day did you go through anything you went through on your own. He's always been there. He's always been by your side. There was never anything that caught God by surprise that he went, Oh, I didn't see that coming. Every single moment of your life in the past, whether you understand it or not, the arms of God were wide open to you. And if you will embrace that, Paul says, I find myself in wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting praise so your past is worth shouting about so if you think oh my past depresses me well you're focusing on the wrong thing if you think my past causes me to be afraid or fearful or sad it's probably because you are focusing on your experience instead of the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory that you have always been standing in Of course life will depress you and get you sad if you focus on your pain and your rejection and what you went through and who did things to you because all of those things are real. All of those things are real life experiences and we don't have to neglect it. And this man, Paul, who is writing this, had a past. His past was so horrible that he was a murderer. He was actually a religious terrorist he would go around killing people who did not believe in what he believed in and if there was any person who could look at his past and be depressed it was him but he looks at his past and says no 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 even when I was killing people for a living God always had his doors open for me his grace and his glory were always available for me and therefore I stand tall and shall praise I wonder whether you can look at your past and say he was there In my darkest moments, he was there. In the moments when I said no to him, he was there. When I walked away from him, he was there. When I didn't understand, he was there. He was there, he was there, he was there. God was always there. Paul says that's worth shouting about. It's worth praising God about. Here's the second thing he talks about. He talks about his past, then he talks about his present. Let's look at verse 3, 4, and 5. If you go there, it says there's more to come. We continue to shout praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. He's talking about the present now, not about his past. How many of you know life has troubles? 
Being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that your life is going to be trouble-free. He says, even now, we continue to shout out praise when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience, in turn, forges tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, We've never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to praise God because of my past, but I'm going to praise God because of my present. Even if I'm hemmed in all about by trouble, this is what God's going to do. God is going to make sure all of that trouble works in my favor. All of that trouble works for my good. All of that trouble works in such a way that the Holy Spirit is going to use it to bring some sort of good into my life. And he says he's going to bring so much good, there's not going to be enough containers to round up to fill all the things that the Holy Spirit is going to pour into our life. So in other words, if you're facing trouble today, you've got to praise him because you've got to trust that God is working everything out for your good. So he stands in his presence and he says, I've got to shout praise. So if you're looking behind you, what do you got to do? Stand tall and shout his praise. If you're looking at the present, he says, there's only one thing I can do. Stand tall and shout his praise. And that's why people who do not praise and people who live in a spirit of feeling sorry for themselves and feeling sad for themselves, and I know we all do it and I do it sometimes when you're sorry, when you're sad and when you're sorry for yourself and you throw a pity party and, and you go around telling people about your past and your present, that's great because none of that is fake, that is real, that is true. But my question to you today is where's your focus? Because if that's your focus, you will continue to throw a pity party. You will continue to feel sorry for yourself. You'll continue to feel like you're in a bad place. No one is denying that the present is full of troubles. Everyone is not, no one's denying that. Everyone in this room is going through some trouble or another. But Paul says this, even when I'm hemmed about in trouble, God works in that place to make sure something good comes out of it. So he says, as a result of that, I'm going to praise. In other words, lack of praise is practical atheism. That's all it is. A lack of praise is practical atheism. Because you don't believe God's going to work out something for your good. You don't believe that regardless of your trouble, something good is going to happen. In other words, you have no faith in God. You have no trust in God. You don't believe something good is happening. Well, I can't be excited, but look at my life. I'm hemmed in by trouble. No one's denying that. Look at what's happening to my life. No one's denying that. Yeah, but this is how I feel. No one's denying that either. What we're asking you is, where's your focus? Because if your focus is on the trouble, of course you'll be depressed. If your focus is on what's happening to you, of course you'll be depressed. But Paul says, no. You see, all of this trouble... God makes me work and I develop patience and I develop virtue and I develop expectancy. And when that expectancy comes, I'm never left shortchanged. On the contrary, I can't round up enough containers 
to hold everything that God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Can I say this to some of you? Some of the blessings that some people in this room are walking in, they're not walking in that blessing because somehow they just waited on God and God just dropped a blessing. Some of the blessings that people in this room currently enjoy, they're enjoying because God decided to drop a blessing because they made a choice to praise Him through trouble, praise Him through pain, praise Him through rejection, praise Him through. What if your next breakthrough and next miracle is going to come through the praise that you bring through your pain? Because if you don't do that, you might be waiting on a blessing and God is saying, hey, I've already released the blessing to you. The only way you can access it though is if you will stop focusing on the pain and start focusing on the praise. Because if you don't focus on the praise, all it is is practical atheism. Don't even think, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but I'm throwing a pity party all the time. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And every time people come around you, all you can talk about is how bad things are. All of that is true. But shift your focus today. God is working all things for good. So he says, I look at my past. It's only one thing I can do. Praise. He says, I look at my present. I see all the trouble around me. Hemmed in, he says, by trouble. There's only one thing I can do. Praise. Not complain. Praise. Not murmur. Praise. Not feel sorry. Praise. Not go around and tell 10 people. Praise. Not go around and sit in your sorry seat and watch telly until you sulk and get drunk and you think, this is a sorry life. God is not there for me. I prayed to him before. He didn't come through. I'm not sure if I can. Well, if that's the bed you want to make, you will lie in it and you will die a sorry person. But I don't want to lie in that bed. I want to shake that thing off and praise God and trust him that even though I can't see it and all I can see is trouble hemming me around, I will stand tall and pray. And sooner or later, there's not going to be enough containers to contain every blessing God is going to give me. So which one do you want? You choose. Self-pity or praise? See, this is why I called it the X-Factor atmosphere. Whether you like the X-Factor or not, whether it's your favorite show or not, you cannot deny that the X-Factor is filled with praising cheering, clapping, laughing, shouting, joy. And what are they cheering for? Sometimes they're cheering for somebody who's singing really well. Sometimes they're cheering for somebody who's pathetic on stage. Either way, they're cheering. And here we are, followers of Jesus Christ, and God is saying to you, your past is covered, and in your present, I'm with you. And we come and sit here as if somebody owes us some sort of explanation, and somebody owes us, and we feel entitled to people coming along us and, and throwing their arms around us, and they say, nobody cared for me, and nobody loved me, and nobody asked me, hey, shift your focus. Don't you know that God is with you? Or are you living in practical atheism? Which is it? Then he shifts his focus from the past to the present. And then he goes to the future and he says some mind-blowing words about how we can face the future. If we go to verse 6 and all the way to verse 11, he says this. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself For the sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble 
could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put His love on the line for us by offering His Son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to Him. Now that we are set right with God by means of the sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there is no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. No longer. If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of His Son, now that we're at our best, do you know you're at your best now? You're not at your worst. Why are you at your best? Because you have received the free gift of righteousness. You are at your best. God sees you the way He sees Jesus. Now that we're at our best, just think of how many lives, how our lives will expand and deepen by means of His resurrection life. What's His conclusion? Verse 11. Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we are no longer content to simply say it in plodding prose. We sing and shout our praises to God through Jesus the Messiah. He says, I've looked at my past, I've looked at my present. My past, he's been a religious terrorist, this guy, Paul. He's killed people for a living. He says, the only thing I can do when I look at my past is praise, because God was there. God was there. He was there. He was there. And then I look at my present, and I'm hemmed in by trouble. And my only response is, i got to praise. He says, then I look at my future. And then I think about the fact that Christ didn't die for me when I was at my best. He died for me when I was at my worst. He died for me when I was his enemy. He died for me when I was a million miles away. He died for me when I was at my worst. So in the future, there is no way I can be at odds with God. So when I look at my future, there's only one thing I can do. He says, we've got to sing and shout praise. So which is it? If you're looking behind... He says, praise Him. He says, if you're looking at your present, He says, praise Him. If you're looking at the future, He says, praise Him. So here are three reasons to praise God. Your past, your present, and your future. Whichever way you look at in your life, there is only one response that a follower of Jesus Christ can do. And that's praise Him. Imagine this. I've shared this example before. Imagine I go over to Pastor Peter's house one day. And I go and I know where he lives. So in the middle of the night, I break into his house and I steal everything that he has. I just empty his house. I steal his cars. I steal everything and it's gone. The next day, Peter sees on CCTV on his phone that it was me. I was the person that came around to his house in the middle of the night, stole everything. And the next day, I have a knock on the door. I open the door. Peter's there at the door. He's standing with a thick wad of cash in his hands. And he's saying, hey, I just want you to know, when you came around, you missed this. You forgot to take this because it was under the fireplace. Because at that moment, Peter is loving me at my worst. Not at my best. And the Bible says this, God proved, God demonstrated, God put His love on the line. He demonstrated His love for us, that while we were yet sinners, He died for us. That means He saw you at your absolute worst, and He thought, you're worth dying for. That means when I look at my future, I don't have to be afraid of failure. 
I don't have to be afraid of taking a risk. I don't have to be afraid of making a mistake. I don't have to be afraid of being rejected or with the devil coming my way. Why? Because God has already seen me at my worst and still made a decision to love me. So when I look at my future, I've got to praise. And it is my passion that in this country and in this church, people will stop being ashamed of the name of Jesus. That we will get to a place where the atmosphere of praise is not just reserved for Wimbledon and football stadiums and the X Factor. But there will be a group of people who will look at their past and say, I have no other response than to stand tall and praise. And people will look at all the trouble that they're going through in life and say, I have no response other than to stand tall and praise. People will look at their future and say, hey, I can never be at odds with God because God saw me at my worst and chose me anyway. Therefore, every day of my life for the future is a good reason to praise God. And I wonder if that is you today who will make a decision to do that. Because Paul says this, if you do that, there will not be enough containers to round up, to hold everything the Holy Spirit wants to pour out in your life. Could it be possible that the reason the Holy Spirit is waiting to pour out incredible blessing in your life because He's waiting for you to shake off feeling sorry for yourself and start living a lifestyle of praise.